0: It really was just a coincidence that an Irishman is on the show the week of St. Patrick's Day. I promise it wasn't planned. And what a pleasant coincidence it is to have James Goggin of Maverick Drinks on the show today. Slancha, i I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. Don't miss the opportunity to check out all my gorgeous Lush Life merchandise on alushlifemanual.com backslash merch. I actually met James at the Embassy of Ireland almost one year ago, and I knew he would make a great guest. He has that wonderful quality of making you feel that you are the only one that he is telling his tales to. A natural bon vivant. And born for hospitality, his role as brand advocacy manager for Maverick Drinks, the craft spirits distributor, fits like a glove. But let's start with how he got from a small town in County Carlo to New Zealand and back again.
1: Uh, I grew up in Ireland, yeah, in a a little town called Tullo. Um, That's in the southeast in in kind of the county of Carlo. But it's like, you know farmers fields small village
0: but your parents farmers
1: uh, nope they were actually hospitality so wow. um so yeah. you
0: started young
1: um yeah um it's kind of it, it goes back and um, there's a lot of them um, the Goggin side of my family is all from Cork and there's a lot of uh historical you know bar owners wine merchants and and exporters and importers under the name Goggin so I think it's a uh, I didn't know this obviously as a kid, but you know, finding out later in life was quite nice when you go, ah, that's why I like this. Ah. Yeah.
0: So what were they doing in hospitality?
1: And um, they were just uh, publicans. They were just working in bars. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing major, fairly, you know, basic, straightforward, just.
0: In the small town?
1: Uh, no, uh, a little bit there. Um, my mom kind of did a bit of everything. She was just, I guess, a worker really. She was just does work I'll do it um, but she did bar work a lot of time actually over here they moved to London so we spent some of our time uh, in this part of the world uh, when we were very young and, uh, and she did some work here um, in North London up kind of Kings Crossy area
0: and then did they move back to Ireland and then they
1: moved back to Ireland yeah and then we we stayed there and then for stayed the rest there. yeah and then I kind of didn't really start doing this kind of thing till much, yeah. Well, so guess, you weren't
0: like like helping out in the pub when no, you were
1: young. No, no, they they weren't owners. Um, they were just they were just working there and running mm-hmm. it. Maybe I was there as a kid that like I don't remember, but uh, but no help, not not working. I, I didn't I didn't first do anything in Barcelona. I was like sixteen. Yeah, well, you
0: were busy just studying and having and fun. Just
1: just doing school. And um, mm-hmm. I started working quite early. I started doing a lot of. Um, just to earn pocket money. Again, I guess similar kind of work ethic from my mom where it's, you know, just just work hard and you get paid. Um, and uh, so I did lots of work early and I used to help out, do like collecting glasses in bars and stuff like that. And that was kind of my first experience into that. Not knowing, you know, not even knowing that they worked in bars. Well, maybe I've heard it, but mm-hmm. you know, not really knowing what it was or what it meant until much later in life, but yeah.
0: And so you were 16 when you started this,
1: yeah, not not uh-huh. pouring, but like uh-huh. you know helping out collecting glass. I do anything when I was young, I was like you can pay me money and i'm I'm going yeah, I'll do it, sure, yeah, so petrol stations, furniture shops um dairies, farms, construction, yeah, you know kind of that sixteen to eighteen I did whatever would pay me really. But bar was, was definitely something I did in that Hmm. time too.
0: So did you start falling in love with it yet? No. No.
1: Uh, I I liked, I liked the idea of being around, you know, all these people drinking and, you know, hearing the stories and chatting. I actually didn't enjoy the work because um, it was, smoking was still allowed in bars and I absolutely just despise that. I hate just everything about it, the smell, the coughing, it's in your eyes, in your clothes, it stains everything. Oh. So um, I just, I was like... This is all right. Jesus Christ, I hate the smoking.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so you were like, yes, when they turn, when they changed. Oh yeah, that when law, they did that,
1: I was like, all right, hello. I can go
0: back into a bar. Now. Yeah,
1: honestly, and that's it. And sometimes I I travel quite a lot, so um, you know, I, for example, I was in um, where were you we recently, Copenhagen, um, only a couple of weeks ago, and they have these um, bodegas, they call them, and it's kind of the, it's where you go. They're allowed to stay open late. It's a kind of historic license, and they haven't been hit. Hard by smoking bands yet? So everyone's just in the bar smoking away after hours, mm. and I'm just in the corner, like struggling,
0: trying um, to run I outside just, just and can't take a enjoy breath, it,
1: you know. And it, even, even global famous bars like, um, like in Berlin, like and or something like that, where everyone raises about, you know, the drinks are great there, but I just can't get into the experience because mm. I'm like in furthest away from anyone else I can be, you know, like breeding under my top, essentially. You're like,
0: is there a window, please? I, you correct, you know, that. and I'm just like,
1: well, I can't deal. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and, you know, and it happens sometimes in New Orleans, but only really in the kind of, you know, divey places, so I can kind mm-hmm. of get away with it there. Um, but when it's like a fine cocktail bar and it happens, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of trapped.
0: Um, I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm with you so, there. it kills mm-hmm. me. I remember those days of coming back from bars with my hair, smelling clothes, like smoke everything. until you washed your hair
1: and even when you it. wash it like it's it's weird for me as well if i smell it once it's like i feel like i could shower a hundred times and i'm like i guess i smell it yeah. wow <laughs> yeah it kills me it's one of my uh, pet peeves for sure
0: oh i totally understand so all right you were just doing this and did you you think we're oh i'm gonna study something yeah you know, so you know, I did what study. were you thinking yeah, so. that your future was gonna hold
1: um, I didn't know I'm I'm pretty I was always and that's still today I'm pretty open about my future I'm like whatever happens happens I, I always kind of had hey if this happens cool if that happens cool or if that other thing happens cool there was never a. I always felt like I shouldn't bank everything on one thing because if it doesn't happen I'll be let down and I don't mm-hmm. want to feel that way so I kind of have this you know open whatever happens happens and that's the way it was meant to go and as long as I'm happy I don't really care um, but yeah. In sc- school wise, I kind of thought, geez, I better, I should really go to, you know, university. I should, I should do something like this because, you know, get further education. And uh, I actually went into IT. So like learned computing and kind mm-hmm. of went on that side. So while I went to, I went to university in Carlo in my kind of home, um, IT and, uh, but I still worked in bars.
0: You must've been the coolest IT guy ever.
1: Well, the thing is, uh, it's weird. It's like, uh, in Ireland, everybody's chatty and everybody's outgoing sociable so it's it's fairly normal mm-hmm. um so i was doing this it and chatting and and i just was like maybe this is I, I enjoyed it and uh-huh. i still do i still love technology and you know um just i everything to do with kind of the it computers computing programming even a little bit on the side john i think it's more of a hobby thing now than anything but um but yeah so i studied it for a year. And at the end, I was like, "Nope," um, and I was still bartending on the side, so I was still doing what mm-hmm. I, you know, that enjoyment thing. And uh, and really, I went, I, I need to, you know, this kind of had this open ended vision. So I was like, I need to find, I need to get some direction. So I just went traveling. Really, um, firstly, I moved to Belfast for a little bit, um, only a couple of months, with a friend, just to experience something. that was like me dipping my toes in the water. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we moved to New York. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went from Belfast back home. Uh, always working in bars. I love
0: that Belfast was you dipping your toes. in the I know, water. right? You got to move north. What? Yeah,
1: uh, but
0: still um, the same country. Yeah, we, we,
1: have, we have a lot. A lot of Irish people travel now, uh-huh. um, and I guess we're historically travellers. Like we we do mm. we move a lot
0: and um, storytellers
1: and storytellers, of course. Um, but a large portion of the population don't leave their hometown sometimes. Like mm. like my, my mom, for example, has been maybe out of the country 10 times in her life. And I would say like 95% of those times has literally been to London and back to mm-hmm. see relatives or weddings or mm-hmm. babies been born or whatever. Um, she said she's been to Spain once and that's her travel. <laughs> London and Spain and she's in her mid-50s. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, a, there's a lot of the population are like that too. All mm-hmm. all of my friends, like loads of them, are afraid to fly and just don't travel. And so it's yeah. Th- there's there's a portion of th- there's no middle ground. I feel mm-hmm. in Ireland. I think it's like yeah, we're gonna see the world, or geez, no, we'll just stay at home. Um, so for me to do it, that that was that was kind in of life. a big leap to go to Belfast because it was like leaving all your securities. I was just turned eighteen. I was a baby, you know, um, and um, yeah, but we said, you know feck it Let, let's go um, and um, we uh, we moved there did there for a while um, had fun I it's real easy for me I found it was really even just that first time I was like wow It's once you know bars you just know bars like I I had like three or four job interviews to accept it I was like I could chill here for a while and my pal I was with he struggled he was looking for work in other areas and he just he couldn't get done so uh, he was like nah not, not for me and, uh, and then that. I had the pressure of, oh, I don't know, do I want to be here alone? I'm young still. Nah, not doing it. So I pulled out. So I went back back home with him, back to the bar I was working in before. Um, it was almost like I just took a little two-month holiday or whatever it was. Worked there for a bit. And then uh, another. Uh, some other pals were like, let's go to New York. Let's now, when, wait a sec. When yeah. you
0: say you were working in bars, like what kind of things were you doing? Was These it are pub things.
1: Pubs. There's, okay. no, there's nothing else from right. where I'm from.
0: And like gin and tonics. And... There's two
1: types of bars. Uh-huh. When I was growing up, they may be a little bit different nowadays, but when I was growing up, there was two types of bars. There was the pub or the hotel bar. Okay. That's it. And the hotel bar was really a pub with slightly more expensive prices. Okay. That's uh, like the service levels <laughs> were the same. The drink selection was basically the same. Uh-huh. The same people basically did the route right of working in them mall, you know. So we, we in, in my town, there... When I was younger, actually, there was a lot more bars than now. Quite a few closed, and some of the bars have gotten bigger, so mm-hmm. they'll more capacity. So I think it's probably... You probably see similar numbers of drinking, but less venues, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's less spread out. It's more focused. Um, so there was a lot of bars in my town. Mm-hmm. We had a, we're, I'm from a small town, and I think at one point we might have had like 20 bars. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the numbers are that high. Um but that's Ireland, right? Yes. You know, well, they say is in, in Dublin,
0: there are more pubs in Dublin than there are in the world or yeah. something um, like that. I,
1: it wouldn't surprise me. Uh-huh. It's a, it's, it's a very, it's a very,
0: that, that is not an official statistic. No, yeah, that's what i
1: going to say. Not <laughs> confirming, but, right. but I would well believe it. Uh-huh. Um,
0: Right, so, so you, so then you're off to New York from yeah. Belfast to New York.
1: That, yeah, that's it. Belfast home, then to New York, and oh. that was just, uh, I guess it was like a childhood thing. Like you know, everybody's like, "Oh my God, New York!" And I was like, "Sure, I'll play." You travel would be amazing. So we, you know, saved up uh, working this little pub. I was kind of, yeah, it's weird there again. It was. It, like I was working I'd open it I'd open it I wasn't the manager but I'd come mm-hmm. in and I'd open it and I'd run it and then I'd hand it over to someone else I just never did the cash up essentially that right. was kind of the, the definition between manager or guy working when you find out later in life you're like oh you open up you're, you're kind of like the the boss anyway right so it's, it's a weird one um, so yeah on to New York um, we get there and it was yeah the plan was to kind of see what happens let's hang out in New York and we were there for I think a month and a half or maybe even closer to two months I think all up, but um, essentially, we just went there with some friends and uh, moved in with a random Irish guy who was like, Yeah, you can just have that room um, and uh, let me know when you, you know, it was, it was weird. It was kind of like we were staying in like a hotel. But the plan was obviously staying longer, and he was thinking he's going to get a flat mail. This um, and I can't even remember how we met him. It was like to a friend, 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 and we were living in Queens and uh, the, we spent the first week or two kind of just partying and having fun then we start to look for jobs and i yeah i had two or three interviews straight off the bat even though yeah i was you know i was only 18 still so but i was still kind of you know hanging out in bars and drinking because i i guess they hear the accent did you, know? you
0: have the beard then
1: i didn't have a beard oh, no the so beard's, beard, beard's still fairly modern uh, no so, i was still fresh based. i was gonna say maybe you looked yeah. older than um, you were no it was the accent i think once they heard they were like oh he's you know he's he's he's, he's a, a drinker he's the real deal he'll be <laughs> fine um uh-huh. so and we were drinking in small like divey places in queens mostly mm. um yeah and they offered me a job and i was like i was like cool um I didn't even have a visa or anything and we were just kind of going there to test the waters. Uh but my other two friends were one was trying to get into music and the other into construction and they just couldn't click it again. Oh boy. Um yeah. And uh, and they were getting a bit homesick. I was loving it to be honest. Um Was it
0: everything you thought New York would be?
1: Uh kind of kind of and kind of not, you know. I think New York always has surprises. Every time I go, that city surprises me. I love it there. Um but uh, yeah, I think we made the call to go, well, they made the call to go home, and I was trapped in this dilemma where it was like, again, you know, uh-huh. sit even further away from home, city where I knew nobody, I didn't have a visa, so it was a bit, it felt a bit risky. I know a lot of Irish people, you know, that many years ago, whatever it is now, Jesus, about 15 years ago nearly, um, did that kind of thing and got, got away with it, mm-hmm. um, and are naturalized now. But um, I was it was just risky business for me anyway. So yeah, I pulled it. Yeah, I, I yeah. You I went left. home again. I went home again. Oh no! Crazy, right? I was like, God, everyone gets... Why does everyone want to go home all the time? And I was like, I'm happy to kind of stay and try these places out. So we went home again, sadly. Um, and in New York at the time, I was chatting to a pal of mine, and he um, he went travelling to New Zealand. It was kind of this time when a lot of you know Irish people were starting to travel. Traveling was coming a big thing, like going. Australia, mm-hmm. New Zealand, Canada—really mm-hmm. big one—and um, he was like, "Yeah, we're going to New Zealand." And I'd be totally honest—I was like, "Sure." Where's that? Almost, you know. I, I knew the All Blacks because right. uh, I played a lot of rugby, and uh, but if you like on a map. I probably would have got it, but I, I don't know how I would have been about like sixty percent confident. To point out anything else but the country? Right. you're dreaming. I would have had no idea, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just yeah, it was it was super foreign to me. Um, but I was like, sure, you know, everyone else keeps going home. You're you're going to split, and I was like, how long are you there for? He's like, I'm no, at least a year, and I was like, All right, that feels a bit better. Right, he's locked in. So um, so I went back home. Uh looked at kind of, you know, I'd just been to New York, so I was obviously broke. And I looked at finances. I was like, Jesus, how do I make this work? Um, so I had this plan to actually move here, to move to London, which doesn't make sense at first. But it was actually more Essex. And I lived with my uncle. So I have family in Essex. And I kind of moved there, lived with them, did just kind of crap. Why did you
0: think you would make more money there?
1: No I, no, I would know nobody. And it would be the middle of nowhere. And I would save. Because okay. in Ireland, right, I'm trying to save, but also all my friends are... Like,
0: let's go out, let's go out, let's make cool money. cool stuff, right? I see. So and you I, just wanted to be alone to correct. make money.
1: I needed to isolate myself, right? So, yeah, that's literally what I that's did. That's a good idea. I went there it's and... Like and the
0: James' way to make money. Isolate that, yourself from everyone and just save.
1: That's it, right? Because I'm, I'm too sociable. Like, I love going out and I love just hanging with pals. And that just means spending money always. So I'm like, I'm going to leave everything I know. Go to this place on my own with my uncle who I know, I've been there maybe once in my life or twice in my life. I know nobody. Greys was the name of the place in Essex. It's not like a huge, you know, outgoing Uh place. There is places nearby. Um, And so I moved there and then I didn't even open a bank account. So what I said was, uh, I asked my uncle, can I use your bank account and uh, everything will get paid to you and And then then you you give me a small allowance. How long did that last? Um, and we did that for a, for a good while. I think we did for like nearly six months. I think. Good for you. Um, you weren't lured in by London. No, no, no. I had no money. I couldn't go. Right. He had my money. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I wanted it, if I really so it asked. somewhere
0: if... you don't know. Have your uncle control your finances. Correct. Give him yeah. a little.
1: Yeah. It, it
0: worked. Right. So Cause I, you didn't have to pay rent, did you?
1: Well, I paid him like something. Yeah. No. Like I think huh. I paid him like maybe fifty pounds or something like that. All like, right. like for food, rent, actually okay. all—all. You know, he was yeah. like, "We have a room. Give me all something. Contribute cool. somehow." All right. Don't worry about the rest. Um, and, and then uh,
0: after six months, were you like, okay, I'm ready to go to something. That
1: was it. Well, the, the, the whole idea was to, to to work there until I had, till I felt I could go comfortably to this country because I knew it was a, it was about as, as far as you can go away, right? right? And I was committing to a year, so I needed to. I need some sort of security, and you know, and yeah, it worked though. So I six
0: months of the uncle bank account. Yeah.
1: work. Yeah, I was, and At during the day things. I was doing like crappy stuff like whatever like anything Mm. I could work at um and during the night I was bartending I think three nights a week bartending and then five days doing I was working man I was Mm -hmm. putting in the time because I knew I'd do that for a short time and then you know I'd be free for a chunk
0: well your parents definitely instilled an amazing work ethic
1: yeah uh it was a lot of hours it was good I cycled everywhere it was great um Mm. you know it was good to spend time my uncle and, and my cousins and you know, it was just a nice little life experience. And then, and then yeah, off to New Zealand. I remember I paid for the flights. I booked a few other things and I had, you know, I had about just over a thousand pounds, I think, left. And uh, I remember converting it to New Zealand dollars at the time and the conversion rate was amazing. And I got like three and a half K. And I was like, oh, God, this is so much money. <laughs> um, so I moved there, and that was great. Was so. your
0: friend there already? My friend
1: was there, and he, okay. had, and he had a house as well, so he had a room for me. So I was really I set up. Well, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a tiny little place, but it, it Still, you had yeah. housing. I and never, where was that? Uh, that was in Auckland. Mm-hmm. So flew there.
0: And you're like, oh, I'm going to take Auckland by storm. Well,
1: I, I was just like, I'm, I'm super casual, right? So I'm like... <laughs> whatever I'll be fine you know and that's kind of the way I did New York at Belfast even when I moved to my uncle's I was like I'll find something you know and I had a job and I had a bar job well you had
0: proved it, was, it because yeah, just, you had found something in Belfast you found something it. in New
1: York yep. you could the I, I, same I thing. knew that I could talk my way into stuff right. and that people you know I guess believed in what I said so mm-hmm. I remember landing in Auckland first day met him dropped my bag he picked me up dropped my bags off seen the house seen you at the flatmate said hello and he's like Guess we're going out. I was like sure, we got on the bus, went into town. We visited an off license, I think, and had like randomly like shots or something. Celebrate in the street, like right in the city center. Then we went to one bar, um, another bar, and then we walked down the road and went to a third bar. And in the third bar, by the time I left that, I had a job there. So that was day one.
0: That uh-huh. uh, was
1: that was hour six. You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, I walked in. It was. And it was just pub as well. Like, mm-hmm. this this is all pre-cocktail stuff, right? right? This is me. I know how to board pints. I know how to make people laugh. I can chat, you know. I work I hard. i see you can
0: chat your way into a job in, of course. in six hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I, I chat to this, these people in this in this place. And they were, at the end, I was like, do you need staff? And they're like, yeah, come in, come in on. I think this was maybe on a, this might be a Wednesday. And they were like, yeah, come in Friday. Do a job, sure. And then, yeah, I w- went in there and worked there for... Maybe, I don't know, how long did I work there for? Part-time for about a year. No, maybe, yeah, I can't remember the full timeline there. But essentially, I've got a job there straight away. But I also thought, hey, now that I'm traveling, maybe I should try, you know, do some, something else and, and, uh-huh. and you know, test the waters and other things. Maybe I'll look into this IT thing again. Uh-huh. Um, so I started to apply for, I was still doing the bar work um, nights start to apply for these jobs in IT and different things like that. And eventually got an interview for a role in banking. And this is, a, I've never worked in a bank before. Yeah. But again, talked my way uh, somehow into, into a job and, and they liked me. And yeah, I started working on an IT help desk in banking <laughs> randomly. How uh, long
0: did it take you to realize this wasn't for you?
1: Uh, about a year, no oh, less, boy, maybe day. less, maybe like nine months. Uh-huh. Um, nine months a year, somewhere in there. Um, but I was just nailing it like I was it was um I think I don't know if I enjoyed the job but I enjoyed the income right so I was working 9 to 5 Monday to Friday I'd finish on a Friday in the bank head home shower new clothes straight to work I'd be there for about 7 so I'd finish at 5 home shower but in before 7 um and then I'd do 7 till close in the bar down like right in the busy part walking down the wider. and uh, and it pump it out and we'd be there till what time that bar close? Two, three in the morning? Something like that. Oh, weeks. That is difficult. And then I do Saturday as well. And then Saturday being
0: Even yeah. for someone young. Yeah. That, you can burn out really quickly.
1: Saturday was an AFD. So Saturday was get in there for your, you know, middayish, whatever, do your lunch shift. You'd split, have some food, chill, and then bang out the night. Um and then Sunday I would just sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday, you know, you'd wake up and it'd be like Ah, oh, it's four o'clock, right. <laughs> and then, yeah, hang out with friends, chill out day, whatever, any dates or whatever else you wanted to do with your life, Sunday and then, yeah, back to work Monday.
0: So when do you think cocktails started to call you?
1: Um, so I worked in that bar and I remember, uh, this was, it was a sports bar. So it was still that pubby, something I was familiar with and comfortable with and knew I could nail when my eyes closed. Um, and uh, in New Zealand, it was, it was a, di- a different culture to me. It was, um, I remember the, the big thing changed me was that the um, how important it is to I guess look after or be aware of mind the guest like a, um, what they call host responsibility um, which in Ireland happens to a certain extent but it's not drilled into and it's not part of the rulings I ever learned maybe it is it's somewhere but it most certainly isn't taught to staff that I remember anywhere that I've worked there and um, you know if someone's drunk you tell them to go home and you get them out. And whereas in New, Zealand, in New Zealand, if someone was drunk and you sent them home and say they drove their car right. and crashed, if the police would uh-huh. look at the last place they were at, get the receipts or whatever, however they found, and you'd be charged because you weren't responsible to that. Uh-huh. Even though they, after they left your venue, which for me, I was absolutely mind blown by this. And then also as well, if, um, if the police came into the bar and did like a check, and found someone intoxicated, you'd be in trouble and find as well. Because in New Zealand, you shouldn't have an intoxic. They can be, you know, mildly drunk and happy and cheery and merry. But if they're drunk drunk, mm-hmm. uh, the police can come in. At- it doesn't happen all the time, but they can. They mm-hmm. could get you for that. Which I was like, what? I was like, this is a bar. People get drunk here. And they're like, well, you know. But not messy drunk. Yeah, so we had to have, the, like, designated areas where it just so happened that someone was drunk. We'd make sure we look after them, give them water, even give them some food. Which I'm like, what? Like from Ireland, I'm like, they're drunk. Get them out. Go home. All right. All right. You know. Uh, whereas that, no, look after them, this responsibility thing. And that was the first shock for me. It was like this. I guess really getting into hospitality and learning what hospitality is about, which was which was fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I, I I didn't enjoy. I was like, this is this is crap. But I was like as you get older you're like no actually it was really good like you're caring and, and making sure everyone's alright I was like I like that mm-hmm. Um and then cocktails was the other one so it was very basic it was you know fruit juice ice spirit sugar shake dump to a glass add a strawberry on top whoa but for me it was like revolutionary right I, I, I did not make cocktails in Ireland ever the the closest thing to a cocktail and you wouldn't call that a cocktail never call that a cocktail would be maybe like you know an irish coffee or something like that or you know some sort of you know whiskey tea or like you know kind of um uh what else even comes close bailey's and milky kind of you know Uh i guess you could kind of link it to a right russian kind of along that line to put some coffee kind of stuff in there but yeah any of these you know toddies you know potentially but we wouldn't even call it a toddy so you were, I guess, you were doing some origins of cocktails, but mm-hmm. never the word cocktails in Ireland, No way, I'd never even heard the word uh-huh. used. You know, I remember um, hilariously, and I love telling this story when I when I was working in this kind of first place in Ireland, in my hometown, and um, they had a, not a bad back bar like that. They had probably a few extra things that other places didn't have. I remember one day I'd been knocking about, you know, sorting out, and no one was in at the start, and I was cleaning bottles, looking through stock. And I picked up a bottle and it was, um, at the time I didn't know what it was. It was just a big long kind of pillar shape. And it oh almost looked like a glass baseball bat. And I was like, what the hell is this stuff like? Cause,
0: I have cause to guess.
1: You try guess, yeah. Galeano. It was Galliano yeah. on the money. Um, and, uh, but I was totally uneducated on spirits, right? Whiskey, I was like, the brown stuff, cool. But, you know, vodka, the sea tree stuff. Gin was... No, no one asked for gin. Um, you know, whiskey, vodka, and, and beer was was freely the orders, right? Did you try
0: this baseball um, bat stuff? So,
1: this is the story. So, right. this picked up this giant thing. I was like, this this is the maddest looking ball, right? I wonder what this <laughs> stuff is. And I remember I was like, no one was in. It. it was just me opening. And I opened it up, and I smelled it. I was like, all right. And I remember taking a sip, and I was like... Ugh! So strong, oh it's horrible Ugh. this is galliano vanilla right, yeah. right? Uh, galliano vanilla now to me is you know is is syrup on your right. like breakfast you know it, yeah. it, it, it just tastes of like, you know not real vanilla essentially <laughs> um, no offense galliano um but uh yeah, back. I remember tasting. That. I was just wasn't able to handle it. Uh-huh. And thinking back, just back now, I'd, you know, Castric whiskeys. I love Castorik whiskey, mm-hmm. and uh, even whiskey off the still, I'll still try because I love and the raw, natural mm-hmm. taste. But yeah, drinking that Galliano first, that hit me hard. I was like, No, this is not. like
0: I'm never making a drink with Galliano? another. No. That,
1: that wasn't even the thought. Like the only reason I we would have had that there in my mind we'd be like people must do this as shots what?
0: oh yeah because
1: again cocktails, cocktails yeah, yeah. The, the word the, the notion the idea just didn't there was no even thinking could this go in a drink or what it, anything on the back of that bar in my head was either to be a spirit mixer right you know um, or someone shoots it uh-huh. like that was the options <laughs> you know drinking a neat who, who, who someone ordered that on ice on it I'd be like you're a weirdo like that, that was weird. You know, if they were like that and lemonade, I'd be like, okay, that must be their drink. Or they're like shots. I'm like, come on, can't believe they're doing shots of this. They're crazy. Um, so then
0: when you were in New Zealand yeah, and you first got asked to make this like, cocktail yeah.
1: thing. It was annoying. It
0: I was, was annoying. Yeah, I was so you to, were to, like, like ooh.
1: Well, because I was like... So, some of them why are me, they
0: drinking that when they could drink whiskey? I
1: was more, well, no, I was more proud of how fast I could work, how quick uh-huh. I was, right so I, I remember uh-huh. in New Zealand, like in Ireland, when you were serving drinks, it was never about it was always it was never really I guess they wanted you to work hard and fast, but it was never really you know who's the fastest it was never it was it was honestly who could pour the best pint was right. the big was the kind of who's the man of the bar mm-hmm. was oh, he pours a good pint that was your uh Standard of excellence, whereas in New Zealand, I very quickly learned is who can sell the most, the fastest, who is the quickest guy there. Uh-huh. So, uh, and they reward you for that from time to time with different bolts to take home, or POS, or cash prize, or whatever those various things they were doing. These sales drives, which again, didn't for me, I we never seen in my town, maybe in Dublin, this stuff happened, but not where I was from. So. I was like, I'm fast. I can, I can talk, and so I was, I was working. I was bump, 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 bump. and this was after doing a, a, about a week of working in an uh-huh. office, right? But I was still wanted to be the best there. I always want to be the best, you know, and, and drive, and I'm very driven in that sense because I find that that makes me that this just makes me work. I kind of. You know, smartest just to try to be the greatest. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to work, and I, and I worked. And I, so and I worked. when
0: you had to make a cocktail, that were you thinking now. how how can I get this out the fastest?
1: Um, I was probably. I was also thinking like I remember like when we'd make mojitos, right? This is like mojito boom time. You'd be like, please no one else see, please no one else see, because you know you put out a mojito, someone else sees it. Oh mojito! Here's the train. Here's the oh, mojito there, train. Yeah. Right? Mojito, 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 oh god. <laughs> here we go so yeah it was it was speed it was totally like mm-hmm. let's get out the fastest because you know by the time it takes me to make this drink and the bar wasn't kitted like back then you didn't realize but you look at it now the bar wasn't kitted to make drinks fast right? right cocktails fast beer yeah you want to pump up beer you can pump up beer all night long bottle beer you're fine but cocktails you know it was more about presentation so the bar was pretty but it wasn't smartly organized there was no such thing as a cheater bottle you know the fruit. Yeah. Some of the some of the garnishes were out. Some we had to go and grab from the fridge. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a you know scatter about to get this drink out. So it, was, it slowed you down. Um, so what was the turning point from
0: okay, I'm I'm going to make these really really fast to wait a sec. There's a story, and I'm going to yeah. apply to do some competitions. I, and it, wait wait, it's changing. Did that happen in I, your it head? It did.
1: It totally did. Um, I guess for me it happened. Um, I am. Um, so I was working in this bar ticking away doing stuff um, but also working in the bank and um, I remember one day in the bank and some guy walked by in a suit and they were all like oh it's that guy and for me I'm never like that with superiors mm-hmm. I'm always like he's a guy he's a girl I'm a guy whatever right. There were people he's right. superior cool I would respect him but I ain't going to be like oh my god yeah. You know, if it's the boss, I'll walk up and shake his hands, go, Hey, Harry, nice yeah, to meet right. you. You know, break the ice straight away and be pally with them and, and mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, we're both just people and right. and I think any boss I've ever worked where loves that love that mm-hmm. kind of you know, treat them like you treat anyone kind of attitude because that's the way it should be. Um so they like, and they were like, you know, play your cards, right one day you can be that guy you know and I'm like
0: you're like, I am that guy already. I was, yeah. And
1: also, I also don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I, I am, I'm I a guy, sure. But yeah. I also don't want to be that... No, nah, this isn't right. And, um, and hilariously, just that I'm in the bank. I already had like two promotions. I was already like, on the senior team. And I'm like, nah, this is not for me. So I quit. I, I made the call. I, like, I remember coming back to Ireland for Christmas and going back there. And I had a big thought thing. And I was like, you know... Because, I, I, like I said, the big thing for me is I love the income, right? I love the double income. So you know kind of I obviously work Friday and Saturday but every now and then I'd take a night off and I could do what I wanted right? I had enough money I was safe I was comfortable I was happy mm-hmm. I could buy what I wanted and I was like the income's great I work is hard I'm tired but the income's great so I had to make the call to was I going to go full time in the bank and settle down and be quiet is that me no that's not me I don't want to be that guy maybe I'll leave the bank and I go full time in a bar uh, but I don't want to just bartend you know because if I'm committing full time this will be the first time in a while that i you know, since basically, and and to be fair, this is the first decision I made to ever full-time settle and be bar focused. Cause every time I, the bar was use it to go somewhere else, right? Use it to move, use it to move. Um, because it's was easy for me, but this is like, go, oh, no, this is a career now. Um, so I made that call and, um, I remember sitting down with the, um, the g- person, the girl who ran the place. And I said to her, I was like, I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to go full-time for you, but I need you to support me. I want to be, I want to, you know, what are where is the growth do I grow into a manager or do I go to run the place do I come for your job like, you know do you move on is, is that where I'm going um and that's what I thought the initial mm. growth was was just to get to that management and she was like okay we'll support you so you need to you know you need to learn everything you need to learn how everything works everything ticks everything runs you need to know all those bottles on the back bar the names of them how to order them blah blah, blah. so yeah I started developing myself on just every aspect of their bar um and the big one for me, the one I really fell in love with, of, of course, but I, I loved just the runnings and the lighting and the music. Of course, I learned all that. But the big one started to learn about the spirits, right? So I was, I was picking up two or three bottles and just learning two or three. Th- in my head, I was like, if I know three things on something, I can chat enough about it that people think I'm a pro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would pick certain bottles. And this was like with zero spirit education and just learn three things. On them. So mostly through Google or through in-house trainings or... You know, and because they knew I wanted to do this, anything they heard of going on. They're like, oh, James will go to that, James will go to that, James will go to that. And uh, and I just started learning about spirits and going, wow, this stuff's really cool. Um, I like this. And, you know, and and that obviously leads to you going, oh, that's why that's in that cocktail. That's why that flavor is there. And just started developing this kind of spirit knowledge and, and drinks knowledge. Um, and really enjoyed it. Like... Um, I hate reading. Reading is something, maybe not so much nowadays. I'm getting better at it. But I used to very, just not enjoy, even in school. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting talking to me, I, I'm a, I'll am absorb. And I could probably, like, you know, verbatim repeat what you said back. If you go read that book at home, I'll get, like, two pages in and go for a nap or something. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just never, I never was driven about it. But I was reading this cocktail stuff and stuff about cocktail books. And I was just like, and I could read this stuff. And I, like, like it um and i remember it this is weird um so but this was still still in a sports bar right so Mm -hmm. i worked there for maybe another might have been up close to a year and this was full-time and i was a manager at this point so i'd worked my way up to run the team i was running shifts they were trusting me i was cashing up the tills doing all that jazz and uh and I started, to, I knew the industry now. I drank around in enough places because once you're proper in, you're mm. proper in. So I knew the local and blah, blah. And I remember one guy used to come in and and uh, and he'd come up to me and, I, you know, and I started, you know, starting to do a little bit of a spoke or a little bit of actual making drinks, right? So I started having an understanding of flavor. So very basic now. This is like um, a lot of, uh, I remember the first times I was making drinks it was like replicating like childhood or like, <laughs> confectionery you know like um, sweets or or ice cream or something like that from a kid or like a cake or a biscuit or something like that like someone go, ah, oh, make me something that tastes like you know Skittles or make me something that tastes like you know whatever <laughs> um, and uh, and girls were loving it and I was like man this works on girls Ooh, this is brilliant um, and I had this guy coming in and he'd been in a few times he was, he was an English guy and he was like man I love, love your chat you know doing this thing he's like I'm just about to take over a new place and uh we want to have you know it's not so pubby as here slightly more i guess bistro like kind of you know a little bit more food led but we do want a really good drink selection um you can have full control if you come to me he was basically trying to poach me right not yeah. a good staff um and i was like cool um you gotta pay me more and then, yeah and give me that control he's like okay sure i'll be your boss you report to me so yeah i sadly left that place that sports bar um and uh, moved on to his new place, um, uh, which was called the Blue Stone Room, and uh, and I remember that that was my first time really um, starting to learn and starting to um, you know how to write menus and how to build a drinks list and what makes what and I was still just. I still, the weird thing is a lot of people have mentors, I guess, with guidance. I just, I didn't, I didn't have one. So my mentors were the internet or drinking in other great cocktail bars or going to tastings or trainings. And in that kind of, I guess, migration from the sports bar to slightly more bistro place, I'd um, entered a competition because I I started hearing and learning about these cocktail competitions, right? And uh, they were kind of a newish thing at the time. And uh, and what I'd figured out by drinking in these cocktail bars is that how people that's how people got recognized and noticed and and bettered themselves and grew and succeeded. So I was like, sure, I'll do that. And uh, and I remember they were like, where do you work? And I was like, sports bar not know. And like you're going into this cocktail competition? And I was like, sure. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, and they were like, all right. And these guys, these guys were banging out classics like uh-huh. to spec, like good recipes. They understood flavor. Like they were very good. I was not very good, but I was passionate and keen right um and one thing i had going for me is um i was reading all these books right and doing all the instant research and i like and because i liked it so much i remembered it because i had good kind of mem- memory retention in that sense so i remember uh, entering this put my name in and i remember turning up and this was in that just literally as i'd left and was just moved to the new bar and i remember turning up to this um thing and nobody knew me. Everybody knew everybody. Knew everybody. They were all chatting to each other because you know that's cocktail bartenders are clicky, right? They all hang yeah, out in yeah. circles and everybody's pals. Um, but I wasn't. I was like from a pub. So they were like who's this random? Um, and it was through a magazine called Bar Magazine and, and that's how I heard about it. So we used to, I used to like basically get it in my work and uh-huh. that was kind of yeah, my thing. So I turned up you know I was so, so weird. I was like must have been like the little shy guy and oh. yeah didn't know anybody. Go in and uh, the first part was a quiz. Um, and at that, that time, the bar magazine thing was essentially you take a quiz, the top eight from the quiz scores, go on, they do, uh, you know, own round, you make your own drink, and then you do a classic out of a hat. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was a format. Mm-hmm. So we did the quiz part, and, uh, geez there must have been, I think there would have been between 30 and 50 people there, so it was a good, good turnout, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we sat down and did the quiz, and the quiz was a bit on the magazine, a bit on classics, a bit on... Uh, drinks, spirit, just ga or, or uh, uh-huh. general knowledge, basically, uh-huh. um, and uh, and yeah, I came. I think I came sixth in that, uh-huh. so and or maybe in the top five, um, in the in the knowledge thing. And they were like, "Who the what?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know." I knew the answers, because um, they never. Well, I turned up to the bar, but right. they don't know. They didn't know me. Right. I no one knew my name. Um, so I got onto the. Uh, I had to come back the next day, and I. I I was going to say I swear there, but, um, I tell you not, or whatever, I don't know how to phrase that to me, but, um, I had no drink prepared, um, because I just didn't think I was going to get through, right, because I was like, God, this is going to be the hardest thing ever, and I, I did, and I was like, right, so I ran back, and I was in my new bar now, and I ran back there, and uh, and I remember trying to, like, I picked up, I tried to look through different spirits, and trying to be creative, and but I didn't even have a standard, I didn't know what was, um, and I was definitely way beyond my time. So, um, I remember picking up, it was, um, a vodka that was, um, had, um, elements of wormwood in there. Right. And, um, I guess nowadays wormwoods, like, you know, if if we did like a gin, a, a gin with wormwood, people are like, Oh yeah, so cool. Um, but a vodka wormwood definitely wasn't trendy. Um, it was basically vodka, like a bitter hint, yeah. to it, which, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, and then I got some, um, i was trying to match it with some sort of crazy fruit and i was thinking if, I, if the fruit or vegetable or something is weird and like in an interesting spirit and i use it in a way that hasn't been done before that'll that'll work right and eventually i made a vodka old-fashioned which is yeah. which is <laughs> you know is so silly um but um i was like i don't care so yeah it was persimmon was the fruit i used. so i'm like persimmon vodka i think i added some different bitters in there and, and i stirred them down and served this kind of stirred down vodka style drink um which is totally not me nowadays or ever but I did it and uh, and it was fine it went well I was absolutely bricking it um, <laughs> on stage I've never been on stage before for that kind of thing and, uh, and then it came to the classics round and I, you know I, I always kind of tell this story as well I remember the um, there was like maybe 10 to 15 classics in the hat uh, Manhattan Martini blah 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 Negroni all that Um and I didn't know these things, right? Because huh. for most cocktail bartenders, you're making them every single day, right. right? It's simple. I didn't work in cocktail bars, so these drinks were really hard for me. Right. So I actually didn't... And the name would come up, and I'd be able to tell you the history, probably, and something about that, which was really good anyway, because we we're never make them. But spec was really hard for me you're because... you like, let
0: me get a Bloody Mary. Well, yeah, let me know, get well, a Cosmone. Like, let me or, get me...
1: Well, that's the <laughs> thing. I had two or three I was confident with. But the other is I was like, oh, I know what, I'm alone. But I still remember it to this day. i me get a mojito. Well, I had a mojito would have been probably fine, yeah. right? Because i made that one. Um, uh, so I had my phone and I had all the 15 on my phone, the recipes. And it, like as there were like my terms, I was like, no, no going through, going through, going through. And I was like trying to remember the specs. And I remember getting up on stage and I was still going through it. And I had my phone there like that. And um, he, uh, he goes, all right. Uh, grab your classic, and I was like, "I was like, okay, cool." And I kind of had to pull out, and it says uh, Tom Collins, and I'm like, instant like mind delete. Oh, thanks! Oh, I can't remember. And I, and I remember just looking down, and like I'm sure I like got a glimpse of it quickly on my phone, and then put my phone away, and um, because it wasn't about knowing the spec, like that wasn't mm-hmm. the challenge of the classic. It was just can you make it well. Um but I didn't oh, I didn't even know the spec. Um so I remember making it and um oh, what did I mix up? I did something wrong. I think I put like double the gin. I put like uh-huh. you know, I think the spec they were looking for was like thirty thirty twenty ten was the spec they wanted. And I think I did like sixty twenty ten or something like that. And I made the drink. And they're like <coughs> And they were like, "And what 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 spec did you use? Because you could do." And the funny thing is, right? You can kind of use whatever you wanted because it was never about spec. Which is right. how do you make it and can you make it well? But I was so like, yeah. And I told, I said the spec, and they're like, oh, "Wow, double J." And I was like, "Oh shit, I thought that was a recipe." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, just like a better kick." And I was like, "Whoa,
0: winning it."
1: Um, but yeah, I didn't win that one. Oh, I was gonna. But, um, oh, no, I so wanted you to win. I think I, I think I did well. I think I think they told me I was. Uh, I think it was six in the end. They said I was in... I wasn't last. Mm-hmm. I was kind of middle of the road. Third or fourth or something like that. And uh, I was bloody chuffed. I was like, this is the first thing I've ever done. You're like, you like, I know. can do
0: this, man. Yeah,
1: the top five or whatever, top four even. I was like, yeah. Um, and yeah, and after that, all everyone kind of knew me then, right? And so when I turned up the bar, they were like, oh, that's that... <laughs> guy who's at least smart <laughs> uh don't know if he knows drinks and he, likes a strong Tom Collins. yeah and likes a super luckily people forgot about that one and definitely didn't give me a lot of stick about um a vodka old-fashioned which totally I, I don't know why people don't still don't wind me up about that but i get away with it somehow um but yeah that kind of kicked. that was my yeah my first cocktail foray and, and you thought this could
0: be my career
1: yeah, this could that, this is well, it that was it I, god i loved it um yeah it really made me happy and kind of just embodied their put everything together and and i love the idea of flavor and you know and making people happy and you know and how much how far you could go right because this was pre really good ice like you know like hand cutting ice because we just you know it hadn't really hit like maybe the milk and honeys and stuff in the world but definitely where i was that wasn't happening and um bespoke glassware no no chance no buyers really had that and uh, you know and, and custom like custom glass would have no way so there was so much more to go and learn and develop and find new fruits and find new flavors and you know it was such a new world um for me but also i think for even for just modern bartending yeah i think when i was when it was happening for me it was still very you know in its early stages and um, we're going back here now how many years well i would have been when I first started doing that probably would have been like twenty. So this mm. is like, you know, twelve years ago, twelve, thirteen years ago. This was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Kind of uh, in bar world, yeah. Yeah, the bar for
1: sure. But the the modern boom that we're in now it uh-huh. was just starting, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the mm-hmm. yeah. Um I kinda of luckily I got in at a time when a lot of other kind of big guys got in there and kind of grew up with them. So I have a great kind of friend old friend and competitions was the way to do that. So um, you
0: pretty much you know made your name in New Zealand. You got to the top of
1: th- that was the, you know the yeah. New
0: Zealand bar scene. That was
1: kind of it. I, I worked I worked yeah I moved from bar to bar and and better developments mm-hmm. bigger bar more drinks m- more themes, spirit led and and then I started designing bars. So um, worked on at least two bars worth of design from ground up. So that's measurements and widths and heights and styles and glassware and you know now did you hear fridges and yeah i'm sorry
0: did you hear london calling i mean no or were you set no no, i I love it
1: i was happy kind of Uh you know killing it in that world so um for a long time i was um doing great in bars and doing great in competition not winning them um for a long time i was the bridesmaid but i was doing well enough that made me really happy and Mm -hmm. you know um Also broke my heart a little bit, you know, coming second, you're like missing out to trips all over the world Mm -hmm. by half points and one point and, ah! and then it just clicked. And then I started winning a lot of stuff um, and traveling the world. And, you know, and this is over a space in New Zealand all up. I was there for about nine years Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved it. And yeah, I I got to a point where, you know, I was developing and opening these bars and designing them and and I've been doing it for a long time and I've been in a relationship with my, Partner now, I would we would have been together at this point? Maybe like four or five years ish, and I was. Uh, it was hard. It's hard in a relationship. Hospitality is hard on a relationship. You know, you you work long hours, you work hard, you're tired, you party a lot because it's just it's almost like just part of the game. Mm-hmm. Going out afterwards, so it's just hard in a relationship. And I was noticing that and trying to make changes to that. So. And I felt like I'd kind of achieved a lot of what I'd wanted to achieve there. I'd worked at the best bars. I'd won all awards at these bars. I'd won these competitions, you know. I could have done more, of course. There's always more. But I felt like I'd done a lot. Um, so I wanted to see how I could balance, you know, my home life and my work life. And the way I kind of thought about that is I love this education. Education was still what I wanted to do and learning. So I thought I'd try some ambassadorial stuff. Now, it helped out from time to time with different brands, like holding trainings for them just because I was knowledgeable on the product or working for them at shows or whatnot. Um, but I thought I'd maybe start trying to do it full time. Um, so I ended up working for a brand, a brand new startup brand in New Zealand called um, Rogue Society. Um, just three owners, some, some of them ex-hospitality background, some not. And they, yeah, they asked me to come in and just kind of be this ambassador. And that was the first time me going full time into that. And it was, you know, help them get listings and develop their drinks program and, you know, help them with POS it just, it, there was only, there was three of us in the office, right? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, anything. It was almost like more of an advocacy thing than ambassadorial, but I guess the, the that word wasn't thrown around that much back then. It was more, you just call yourself an ambassador and do everything. Um, but nowadays that would definitely be considered advocacy for sure, because mm-hmm. it was every aspect. And uh, I did that, I think I did it for like six months. And uh, it was great. I killed it. Um, I remember they, they said, right, and get, they gave me like, they're like, you're gonna be here for like four or five months. Cause I, I said to them, um, th- at this point as well, um, because I kind of done everything in New Zealand, I felt I needed to move as well. So I was in this, I was part going, I want to be an ambassador and part going, do I want to do it here? Cause there's not that many jobs or do I want to do it overseas? So the plan was to do it overseas somewhere. Somewhere either being New York or London because I felt they were the hubs, there was a lot of those opportunities mm-hmm. there. And um, I felt like as well, it was almost like a personal test if you can kill it in like a New York or London, you can kill it anywhere, like they're the hardest places. Um, and this was more of a this just popped up because I, I was willing to kind of just chill and do some bar work for the six months or whatever it was, or four months. But this popped up, and I was like, Well, that's actually kind of what I want to do in London, so it'd be great to do that here. So they gave me this four or five month goal of. Get us a hundred accounts, you know, or whatever, or get us this many accounts. And I think I did it in the first two weeks or something like that. Or it was something <laughs> crazy. I it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh because again it was so relationshipable where right? I no. I know everyone who runs these and owns these and, and I know the bartenders. So I just walk in, they're like, Of course. Um and, uh, and they were like, What? And I was like, Hold well, this ambassador thing, this is all right. Um, that brand now is, is, is actually quite big. Um, they changed their name uh, for whatever reasons. It was called Scape Grace. Have you heard of Scape? No? They're doing very well in the UK. They're great guys. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of funny. That was uh, those kind of origins there. Um, but yeah, then the, the choice was New York or London. Um, I wanted to go with my partner. Um, she's a Kiwi she's from New Zealand but um, she's also half Swedish so she's kind of her mum's Swedish her dad's a Kiwi she's she definitely she's more Kiwi I think than Swedish but she's (laughs) fluent in Swedish and she's very proud and loves where she's from so uh, she actually has two passports she's Swedish one uh, New Zealand one Um, so we looked at New York and just the visa thing was a nightmare I think I could have I could have worked it out for myself Mm -hmm. but sorting her out as well was was going to be too hard unfortunately Uh, but London was easy I had Irish passport she had a Swedish one Wham, bam, you know? Um, So, yeah, we decided on London. So I did that um, ambassador job in New Zealand there. And then, yeah, jumped on a plane, moved here. um, I got here. And I remember the first, I was like, I'm not going to rush into anything. Don't
0: tell me, six hours. uh,
1: No, it wasn't like (laughs) that. Um, I I was much more methodical. I was being smart about it. um, I knew I wanted to be an ambassador here. And I probably could have went and started applying and just doing Mm. ambassador stuff straight away. But I also had seen how an ambassador works, right? From my, you no, know, not maximum, but enough experience in New Zealand that it's very relationship built and it's very much built on who you are and who you know rather than, you know, what you know, almost. So And where
0: you've worked. Yeah, where you've worked, right? All, all yeah. these
1: elements. So I was like, I, if I walk into an ambassador job and turn to a the bar, they'll be like, who the hell is this guy, mm. right? Um, no street cred, essentially. Right. Um, so I said, I need to work... I need to do some bar work somewhere and, and get my name because I knew a lot of the owners I knew a lot of the, the ambassadors and the the big dogs who'd done a lot of competitions because I competed against them or uh-huh. we kind of, you know worked up together in the industry but I didn't know the new guys or the people actually making the drinks like the, the bartenders working mm. no way did I know half of those um, so I said I need to work in a bar so I spent two weeks just walking around chatting, shaking hands having drinks you know, high-fiving and uh and yeah, and I, I came down to having two interviews that I really wanted to get, and the, the one was for happiness for forgets, and one was for like Kalai two of the great bars uh, of the world was, uh, very lucky um mm-hmm. uh and uh yeah I, I want my happiness i picked there and uh the reasoning for that was that i just i, I just felt like it was more me it was um clue was crazy right clue was like Well yeah. and i was like oh man that's what i wanted to get away from Like, a more quieter. very much about yeah. you know one-on-one chats mm-hmm. you know personally like that nice experience um the drinks are very classic which i love as well um very simple um and yeah and and everybody drank there everybody everyone's like, i love happiness love it. yeah and it still gets that and it's just deserved um and yeah so i worked there for i think it was about seven months and it was just it was it was great it was nice I, again you get to did meet you find everyone. anything
0: different from working in new zealand to working in london Do you know what
1: strangely not Um uh-huh. the, there was this thing i remember coming here and being like oh God, these are like world famous bars. Like, oh, I'm going to be... I'm not going to be up to scratch. I'm not going to oh. be good enough. And, it's funny.
0: I wasn't thinking that. I was oh. thinking just the style or uh, the drinks that people ordered as opposed to the ones that... Maybe
1: the drinks that people ordered. You know. But, But yeah, the, my, my fear was more than... My fear was like, the name was so powerful uh-huh. and so well-respected. I was like, am I going to be able for this? Oh. But honestly, it was... It was and, and say as anything, long as you don't make the double gin, Tom. A comments. bar is a, a bar is a bar, right? You yeah. Some bars have little things here, but at the end, of the day it's a bar. And and once you know it, like I, I can walk behind in, and any bar in the world, I can walk behind it. And in an hour, I'll hmm. be killing that behind that right. bar. I can tell you that right now. Um, and once you have that confidence, you'll be fine with that. And that's what I learned. But in regards to orders and stuff like that, no, we. I worked in a pretty classic place in New Zealand that. um and um, we get a lot of the geeky kids in who'd be like, you know, hitting us with obscure classics mm. and stuff. The biggest difference, the drinks ordering, I think, was pretty similar. Um, the biggest difference was um, the measurements was the hard one, right? So New Zealand operates on that kind of American measurement oh, right. system, right? Same as Australia, same as Singapore ounces. and Asia.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's actually not ounces. It is metric, but. It's relative to the ounce kind of style, if that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, in New Zealand, uh, the poor is, is 30 mils. It's not an ounce, it's 30 mils, mm-hmm. um, which is basically an ounce. was well, an that's 29 point whatever. But mm. um, whereas, say in America, you know, it'd be like an ounce and then a half ounce and then a quarter of an ounce would be a, like a three, two, one measurement. Right. That's the same in New Zealand. Whereas here, because it's 25, not 30, it's slightly skewed, right? Uh-huh. So a double in New Zealand would be sixty, and a double in America would be two ounces. But a double here would be fifty
0: because it's right. 25,
1: 25. So it's ten mil off. So you're slightly skewed in your drink. So it was relearning. That was the hardest part for me because all the jiggers are different, right? So whereas I'm pouring on a, you know, either on uh-huh. a fifteen thirty or a thirty sixty here, it's a twenty-five fifty, you know, um, because of the the measurement stuff. So but- for the
0: first six months, everyone was getting a little bit more uh, or a little bit less
1: they're probably yeah the drinks were balanced uh, right my drinks is most no, always balanced balance, just <laughs> but yes the the pours were probably a little bit like, low um, because maybe not six we're months we're
0: saving so much money maybe the first, James maybe the
1: first month and a half two months I was a bit like uh, Jesus and I think a lot of people struggle with that because uh-huh. yeah um, because you just you're so reliant and like I remember, like I could bartend, I could close my eyes and make drinks, right? Oh, when okay. I was like, here, I was like, no, I have to look into the jigger because <laughs> it's just that little change it was it was so strange, mm. it was so foreign. Um, that was probably the thing I struggled with the most was just that slight measurement change. Mm. Everything else was fine: the rhythm, the drinks orders, learning the menus, the setup of the bars um, was all the same. Another one was the selection, how eclectic. Like it was, it was much more available here than in in New Zealand mm. for sure. But because it was a passion of mine to, to read and to learn and to geek out about these things and to search them. It was fine for me. I could mm. see how s- some others maybe would struggle, but because that was what I was into, it was not too bad. I kind mm. of knew a lot about Crazy Amaros and, you know, good mezcal and all that kind of jazz. And a lot of that was off the back of actually doing uh, going to Tales a lot. So in New Zealand, I guess, um, at a quite an early stage, I think, I um, started reading because I did a lot of online reading. That was a big... The internet was my mentor, let's say that. Um, had a, a lot of people talk about this Tales of the Cocktail and how big and you know, I'd read all this stuff and see all this stuff and I'd be like, that's where I need to be. You know, i do Sydney Bar Show when I was in New Zealand mm. most years um, and that was great and I loved that but Tales reading, I was like, that's the big one and this was before a lot of companies offered flights to Tales as prizes, right? Because... Mm. It was still in its early days um I think I think this year would be the would be the is it the the ninth or tenth year I would have been there something mm-hmm. like that oh it was two thousand and ten was the first year it went, so this year we this will be the ninth um so back in 2010, it, 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 there was some but not in New Zealand anyway people weren't offering competitions so yeah i went to uh I went to Tales of the cocktail and that's that helped me really learn develop, grow. Network super important because when I was saying when I moved right. to London in what was it 2015 or whatever it was, um, I love connections from tales from these competitions, right. from meeting them there, from tastings, from uh, events, from whatever, from helping out because I did so a lot of um kind of helping out work there talking about brands for um, companies like William Grant or so Bacardi Um, so yeah, that that was uh that was where I got this kind of knowledge and and breadth of different um spirit so when i came to london i was kind of you know i was prepared let's say but um but yeah tales tales from 2010 was was a massive influence on just making me better and growing me and um it was almost like a i always used to say it was like a used to um i always say it's a it's like a passion refresh right it's like you work really hard all year and you're like man like god this industry's hard right it's um Long hours, late nights, all this jazz. And then I'd go to Tales and I'd be like, come back, and I'd be like, nope, love it again. <laughs> you know, it was like. Well, you did a
0: special program there, didn't you? I did, I did yeah,
1: yeah. So they, um, uh, I went in 2010, and um, the first year was hard, right? Because you don't know a lot of people. You know, I knew some, like, um, I was the first, I think it was the first Irish person potentially ever there. Um, I thought you were going to say Kiwi. No, well, prob- not Kiwi. Yeah. Well, no, because you. you you got to remember, New Zealand has one uber-ultra-amazing, famous guy called Jacob Breyers, who is, you know, the the grandfather of New Zealand, Bart <laughs> said, maybe not, you let me say that, the godfather there, is that very better one? Um, Depends um, how old he is. Yeah, he's not that old. <laughs> uh, that's why I was like, grandfather's bad. Um, the father, maybe. Um, and uh, so he he'd kind of la- laid the groundwork for mm-hmm. a lot of anyone who'd ever worked in New Zealand to travel or do that. He's, yeah, excellent, excellent, great guy. Um so he was definitely the first Kiwi to enjoy right. that. But yeah, it wasn't a big Irish thing. And again, it's cause we weren't big in cocktails. Um, mm-hmm. um definitely uh, for Northern Ireland it would have been uh the Jacksons, the, Jackson, the Shawns for sure. But um for um for Irish partners we yeah, we just didn't have a big holding really mm-hmm. and uh and so yeah, I went to twenty ten and you know, didn't see many the Irish folk but seen some Kiwis which was nice and seen some Aussies which I had connection with and some from the UK. So it was hard for me that first year. Um, but what I did notice is I seen these, um, these guys shooting about in these coats and, and preparing all the drinks and doing all the organizing. I was like whoa there and you know everyone knows those guys those guys are great I know what those guys are and looked into it and that was what the, they called it at the time the CAT program and um, uh, Cocktail Apprentice essentially and um, they were making the drinks and they were kind of every tasting you enter every talk they'd have all the drinks prepared and it was like I was like "That looks like hard work but fun work so I applied um and um, I certainly was the first either a Kiwi or Irish person to do that, and um yeah, and they accepted me somehow, which is amazing. So yeah, I flew and I had to do this on my own back, remember as well. So we did like I did little fundraisers and little things to help me out. But yeah, flying from New Zealand to New Orleans is not cheap. Um, plus well, actually, when you do cap, they look after your hotels, but plus spending money and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, I got there and yeah, did the a cap program in two thousand eleven. Um, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. It was uh, hard. Like that's they those guys they work hard because tails is hard anyway, right? Tails is late nights, up early, education, education, meeting, lunches, talks, chats, late nights, late nights. Like it's 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 your your body just copes for a week somehow, right? Mm-hmm. They do that, but they make all the drinks too. What? Uh, so it was hard, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great, um, and it was a great networking tool which is what I wanted it to be. I wanted to firstly experience that back of House of Tales and see how it works, because I thought that would, I'd learn from that, which I did. Um, but also I wanted to shake the hands, right, network and, and know these people, because they, they were influential and they were nice and they were good people. So it was a really good tool for that, for me anyway. Um, and then the next year I came back, I didn't do the program again. I just did it more and I wanted to learn and blah, blah, blah. but I kind of knew everyone, right? So I could see all the old caps and the people who did it again, because they had a lot of... Um, didn't have a high turn had a lot of people who would return and do it again and um, so that helped me massively you know um, build a network and just grow and, and yeah and then yeah I've been have been there every year since just learning and developing and yeah well
0: let's get up to today Maverick so, today, so, so today when did Maverick, Maverick knock so, on the door
1: so yeah so like I said happiness I was there for whatever it was six seven months and uh, and then this, this role popped up this this Maverick drinks role popped up and um and I, I Michael had come to how many times that happens? maybe two or three times so not a lot not a massive amount he'd come in you know bring in some stuff and he's a nice guy and I'd chat to him I didn't know him well well but you know he. My, I think my, you only need to meet Michael once and he's your pal anyway right that's kind of how Michael works um, and uh, he'd add me on Facebook so be, you know um, this child i send him a message and be like hey um, sorry I've only noticed now Um but you guys are looking for like an ambassador kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, we're doing like interviews this week. And I was like, Oh, sh- sh- sorry. Uh, I was like, Oh, I, I just, uh, I still, I had a look at it and it'd be great. Um, I'd love to like, and he was like, send me your CB right now. So I sent it and, uh, and he goes, can you interview it? And I was like, Oh, so it kind of just it whirlwinded. Um, uh-huh. because I, like, luckily I got there in time and they had, they had a lot of applicants for that job. He, uh, we, like a hundred and something, I think, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we advertise for ambassadors now. We, you know, we, we get 40, 50 applicants. Awesome. It's really good. I think it was, Michael will probably catch me on this now, but I think it was over a hundred. And um, yeah. And I, I remember just turning up and I met him and I met Ben, who is uh, one of the owners. And, um, and I, I just had a chat with him. It was just, Chatting and basically what I'm doing to you now, really, um, and uh, and yeah, and I went away, and then they went, can you come down to the office next week, next Monday? I was like, okay, and I went down there, and that was uh, in front of the whole board, so everyone. Um, how many were in on that? Four, four people, and uh, and they drilled me. They were like, oh boom, boom, boom. But on CM, um, I quite like that kind of like you know questionary like intense atmosphere like ask me loads of questions I just like answering and- I love chatting and, uh, and they were asking me loads of like weird questions and stuff which I love I think it's a- the- my favourite interview process like things like um, oh, um, how many piano tuners are there uh, in the UK how many piano <sighs> do you think there are in the UK right which is like what or um, how do you cook a steak or you know um, what's your favourite type of butter and they were just more of this personality gaining of course, who you are. But, yes. but I was loving it. I was like hit talking about as honest as I could and, huh. and doing out. And then they were testing me on my nose, my palate, and all this stuff. And uh, and then they put me through some psychometric testing, which uh, I know a lot of people hate, but I actually quite enjoyed them too. I love the the challenge of it, and I think it's playful and it's fun. Um, and everyone's like, "You're weird." I hate doing those things. <laughs> um, and yeah, and they rang me back and were like, "Well, you smashed it." Um, and uh, do you want to jump? Um, so yeah, I, I took the job with them and yeah.
0: So, what have you been doing for them now from day one where so you from, jammed the yeah, test?
1: Yeah, so from day one, it was it was honestly straight. It was like, all right, go. Um, it was very it was a small team mm-hmm. and on the ground, f- f- you know, representing was just me and Michael, really. There was some back of office help, but it was basically the two of us. So, it was like, have fun, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I um. I just got into it. I just got around. I, you know, did the the typical early ambassador stuff, which was go to go to where, you know. So I went to the bars in you know, East London, where I kind of knew within that six, seven months and chat to them and got some listening stuff there. And did some shop stuff and some Soho stuff. And, and, you know, the role was UK role. It was UK portfolio ambassador. So I was traveling. So I was trying to get up to different cities you know, not London does a lot on so maybe like once a month, sometimes twice a month. I try to get to another city: like Liverpool, and Manchester, or Leeds. A, Did were
0: the people cognizant of the products?
1: Did they know yeah, the products? Uh, not massive. Uh-huh. London, yes. Uh, once we got outside, some uh, Bats of Fort ha has has a kind of following. That was an easy win there, mm. but a lot of them needed education and need chatting about um, mm-hmm. because they were they're craft, right? And that's what craft is: it's right. small, it's it's independent, it's. Um, it's cool, it's founder-led, you know, It's, uh, but not widely well-known in, in the... There was some bars, of course, right, not not to bash, you know, bars outside London not knowing, but there was, you know, the, mm. the small few, but the larger, and even to this day, some of them don't fully know all the brands, you know, so mm. there was a huge amount of education to be done. There still is, um, so there was a lot of training, sort of talking, a lot of educating and... and you know, showing cocktail focus and and all sorts of different stuff, but yeah, it was pr- it was pretty wild. It was uh that first kind of couple of years. I've been in February now; it'll be four years in Madrid. Mm-hmm. So that first kind of two years was just me and Michael. Was it's intense because it I met you
0: about it a, a year and a half ago. I think you did, mm-hmm. yes.
1: Um, it was you know doing just that Monday to some you know I'd use my Mondays to organize, and then basically Tuesday to Friday would be just tastings or travelings or trainings or. Whatever, and then the weekends of shows, right? So that kind of first year with Maverick, I did... I think we worked it out. I worked like twenty seven or twenty eight at the weekends of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was plus the weeks, right? So I, d- I didn't take days off during the week either. So it was you're just... like,
0: wait, i supposed to have some yeah life, I know. life I in like, there? Was your your partner wait like, wait yeah. a sec? Yeah,
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> we. I, it's changed now. <laughs> uh, I because my well her, I was like, it's London. We've just moved here. I gotta mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of course, gotta do the arts. Uh, London, London's unforgiving if you don't work hard, right? right? Um, so you yeah, know, she was she's. Incredibly understanding, mm-hmm. she's she's a hero, um, and yeah. So I yeah worked hard and.
0: But you've transitioned now from brand so, yeah. ambassadoring.
1: So brand I did...
0: ambassadoring.
1: Brand ambassadoring, yeah. yeah like... Um So I did that for three and a years or whatever, um, and even in brand ambassador for at that start it was like I said it was it was similar to what in New Zealand right it was like brand ambassador but also there's two of us so you're doing everything so I was you know helping out with e-commerce helping out with the independence with the luxury but wherever they needed me mm-hmm. you know um luckily now we have people in those in those roles and they do a lot of that and i was you know starting to do much more ambassadorial focused stuff but um i was also you know three and a half years in and i said to them i was like you know the need where are we going what's doing and um, where's the growth and what's next for me and and wow well, talks and development have turned into what I'm doing now, which is the brand advocacy. So I'm the brand advocacy manager for Maverick now, which essentially means, you know, any any kind of relationship between, you know, us, the brands and trade, I kind of sit in there and, and manage that the best I can. So whether that be managing the ambassador, the current ambassadorial team, which we have Currently, two of in the UK, but have a third. So we're going to have kind of a London, the South, uh, Midlands, Mm the kind of North, and then a Scottish. Um, So managing that team, um, kind of, I guess, developing the whole kind of L and D side of Maverick uh, internally and externally. So the education in regards to uh, so a big um, WSET focus. Um, We're um, really believing what those guys are doing currently and and um the you know the the reform of the level two the development of the level three all good stuff um, yes i took the level two ages ago what's all changed now yeah oh boy. it's very different now it's um well worth doing again it's a totally new course um, i don't
0: know i passed with distinction oh, nice. so okay. oh.
1: <laughs> it's uh it's great um, yes i
0: do know they're doing the level three it's cool that you guys are working with them yeah so
1: well yeah so we're, we're we're trying to develop that side of it where um you know not they they haven't set anything in stone Mm -hmm. but they're you know they're given a kind of an august time for it to be released Mm -hmm. but hopefully we can kind of grow that side within maverick as well but that's the that's the aim that's the goal um but currently i'm i'm a level two educator so delivering level two trainings um and uh jerry is another thing that i'm kind of managing within the business which is our uh our kind of e-learning system which the it
0: to, the it of there's the it coming, coming back right
1: he's there he's always there um and that comes from singapore from the, the great guys of proof and co and that's a really intelligent um e-learning system um based all around various different things in hospitality and and uh, very exciting very new and i think very much kind of what the future is and in, in uh in education for, for bars and bartenders, which is great. Well, I have so, a feeling if
0: we revisit you in yeah. a couple of years, yeah, there will be about 20 billion other things you were doing. Oh yeah.
1: Uh, I I'm, 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 can tell. And uh, I have it as well. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible issue of mine where I'm just, I'm a, almost too much of a yes man, you know? So they're like, Hey, here's a thing. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, Oh no. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, so it's, yeah. So looking after the w- WSET, looking after Jerry, looking after the ambassadors, developing this LD um a lot of asset creation as well so i think it's one thing we've haven't had time for we've been just doing so much work is is building the back of house assets so you know doing more imagery or developing you know uh, more educational sheets or on our trainings and and just tidying everything up and getting everything organized and you know getting our back of house in order um so doing a lot of that at the moment but also i lend a lot of research resource, resource to, you know, the trade marketing team, the marketing people for events, you know, what drinks should be used here? Does the stand look cool? You know, is this the right thing? And, and that's what that kind of advocacy thing encompasses, right? It's that, is this is this on trend? Is this cool? Is, will this work? Will this, will this fit the trade, you know? Um, which is great. And I love it. Um, it's, um, again, it's hard work. And I think London in general is hard work. Oh, I don't know if London is for forever for me because it, you know, gets on you. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's relentless. Um, but I, I'm I'm still young, so I still love that. You know, I think I am anyway. Uh, I still love that kind of drive, that that the you know that beat of London. It's great. Um, so yeah, it's um, Maverick. Maverick's really good right now.
0: Will you say yes to making me a cocktail?
1: Sure. Yeah, let's have a drink.
0: Okay. Should we go have a drink now? Great. Yeah. Thanks so much to James for sharing his stories with us. Before running off, James made me a fabulous Irish coffee to start off St. Patrick's Day celebrations right. Of course, it's our Cocktail of the Week. Our Cocktail of the Week is the Teeling Irish Coffee. This takes some time, so first I'm going to tell you the ingredients. 40 mLs of Teeling small-batch Irish whiskey. 120 ml of freshly-brewed robust coffee, fresh cream, and freshly-grated nutmeg. You'll also need 20 ml of spiced stout syrup, which you need to make beforehand, with 1 liter of Irish stout, which can be Guinness or similar, 1 kilo of Demerara sugar, which makes it taste so good, A half a cup of whole cloves, a half a cup of allspice or pimento, three cinnamon sticks, one whole orange zest, two inches of freshly grated ginger, a pinch of salt, and three whole star anise pods. Add all these ingredients to a saucepan and bring to a boil. Then allow it to simmer for 10 minutes. Remove it from the heat and allow it to steep for another 5 minutes. Strain it all through a fine sieve and cheesecloth, and then bottle. Now you're ready to make the cocktail. Preheat your Irish coffee glass with some warm water and discard. Add the teeling whiskey, the stout syrup you just made, the brewed coffee and stir it to combine. Then carefully with a large spoon, warm it, and gently pour the cream over the back of the spoon and onto the coffee. Then garnish with a light dusting of grated nutmeg and enjoy with friends. If this was way too much to comprehend, you'll know you'll find this recipe and some more St. Patrick's Day cocktails on a LushLifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Next time, we're with the extraordinary team behind Liquid Intellect. Thank goodness Charles Roch and Eleanor Holcroft met. Because if not, there would be no cookie dough old-fashioned nor jam donut Negronis in the world. And that would be very sad. Before running off to try some, remember to head to alushlifemanual.com merch for all your Lush Life gifts. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast. For more information and links to everything you've heard, plus a whole lot more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde. All things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. The music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your drinking partner, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.